Welcome back to See Speak Minnesota. I am so excited about this episode. I am Jordana Green from WCCO Radio and my co-host Kate Kelly from PNC Bank is joining us. She is our regional president here in Minnesota. Kate, I'm thrilled about this one. I know you are too. Thanks, Jordana. This is going to be very informative and fun. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. And as and welcome back to all of our listeners. See Speak Minnesota is PNC's podcast. It's the language of executives. And our esteemed guest this week is Joan Gable, University of Minnesota president. Now, you know, the Twin Cities will generally never be mistaken for a traditional college town. Although my the oldest says she's 17, she's been applying to colleges, and she's certainly uh, hoping at the U. But I'm not putting in any favors here. Don't worry, Joan. <laughs> don't, don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> but you know, uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis in particular, is home to a traditional higher education powerhouse and one of America's leading research universities. Of course, it's the U of M. University of Minnesota is ranked among the nation's 10 most prolific public research universities. I bet you didn't know that. And its Twin Cities campus is situated squarely in the heart of a bustling world-class metropolitan area. It just makes it a truly unique asset in our state and our state's business community. Jordana, the U is certainly a valued Minnesota asset. On a personal note, the U is very near and dear to my heart and to my whole family. We have 13 degrees in our family from the U. Yes, wow. Have, I know. <laughs> yeah, we have a big family of eight. Um, and one of the most recent graduates was actually my mom who graduated um, with her master's at the age of 80. Oh, fantastic. Uh, isn't that amazing? And, and my dad, he graduated from medical school from the U in 1946 during the war years. And my sister is now chief of cardiothoracic surgery at the U and loves her research. Mm. You know, both were curious and they found the U to be a place to discover something new in the world of medicine. So, you know, when we were talking about discovery, we know discovery is core to the university's mission. And that innovative approach to the world's most complex challenges creates Minnesota-made solutions, benefiting all Minnesotans and generating more than eight Point six billion in economic impact for the state each year. Wow. As you mentioned, isn't that incredible? Yeah, um, amazing. Yeah, and, but today, as you mentioned, we're so fortunate to be joined by President of the University of Minnesota, Joan Gable. President Gable is the 17th President of the University of Minnesota. She leads the university's mission by honoring its legacy as a place of discovery and opportunity, while emphasizing solutions inspired by Minnesotans that serve our state and change the world. She most recently served as Executive Vice President and Provost at the University of South Carolina. Since taking over as our university's 17th President in July of 2019, Gable has built a reputation as a kind and collaborative leader. I just love that. Welcome President Gable, we're so honored and delighted to have you with us today. Thank you for having me, I'm delighted to be here. Hello. Well, President Gable, you know, I'm a banker, so it's natural for me to notice and think about the numbers. And I saw that the U reached an incredible milestone for its research enterprise, surpassing $1 billion in annual R&D expenditures for the first time ever. Can you wow. tell us about this? And be sure to let our listeners know about our proud ranking, if you could. Yes, so we are in the top 10 for uh, research ranking. Um, and that is based on several factors, but the big one is the extent to which 
the federal government and others invest in our researchers. And that's the number that we're talking about. So that is a funding source that goes directly to research, but it has a multiplier effect. So when you think about um, investment in the research enterprise of a university, a lot of the times that's in what, you know, we all would all call the ivory tower. But in reality, that's these days, we've seen now more than ever, it's in treatments, cures, it's in um, how we educate school teachers, it's in understanding processes and systems, it's in the arts, which we're all still needing and missing so much. And so when that funding comes in, not only does it support the discovery that we all then get to use, but it, we hire people. It has an economic impact, every dollar in turning into several dollars out into the community. And so it creates all of this good outcome and it creates an economic current that we all are able to, to ride on. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here's Kate the banker again with numbers. Um, can you break a little bit about the number of patents that have been granted to the U? <laughs> And how the U has fueled its business growth in Minnesota? So we're in the top 20 worldwide for universities in patent production. People are often surprised to hear that because the patent will often come at a pretty early phase of the innovation and discovery. But what it means is that those innovations and discoveries are truly unique and novel. And what a lot of people don't know, I didn't know this until uh, relatively recently, is that the government won't issue a patent if they don't think the discovery has a practical use. And so it has to be brand new and it also has to have some utility. And so when we get patents, it's because what we're doing has real viability for use, practical application, social good, commercialization, et cetera. You know, there are thousands of universities around the world and we're in the top 20 for how our researchers, innovators, and students, by the way, are engaging in discovery in ways that yield patent protection. That's That's unbelievable. Really amazing. Yeah. Uh, Joan, it's Jordana again. And may I call you Joan? Please. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the you is on my show all the time. We we obviously often have guests from your university and we love that. But I I had one story on my show on, on WCCO radio that I found out from one of your students' mom. Uh, a research student, a PhD student of yours. Uh, he, his mom and I are friends, and she goes, Jordana, you're not going to believe what Matthew's working on. They're jury rigging um, ventilators. They're going to the Home Depot. They're they're mixing it up in the lab, and they're trying to make ventilators. This is at the very beginning of the pandemic, of course, for people to be able to make their own. Just God forbid that we were in a situation where people needed to make this. So of course, I called Matthew right away, and he put me in touch with his team leader, and we got that group on the show. And I'm just so amazed and astounded. Um, that the university, of course, is, is infused with this ingenuity from, from faculty down to students, but the university also has been a frontline partner to Minnesota, Minnesotans, and not only us, this is global, to people around the world battling COVID-19. Uh, you guys have made some of these incredible solutions to the pandemic's most pressing challenges. The university has brought the weight of its globally recognized research enterprise to this endeavor. So let's talk about this. I mean, I want to hear about everything. I want to hear about the drug trials. I want to hear about these <laughs> the Home Depot ventilators. I mean, tell us everything that's going on. So a lot and, and, and yeah. all good. So I, I want to speak, I'll go into some of the details, but I want to speak to to the, the what was called the co-venture process. Yeah. 
because <laughs> that process was really brilliant students with really brilliant faculty partners and commercial partners. So when you described the university as sitting within this major metropolitan area, there are actually very few research universities that sit within cities rather than within college towns. And so we were able to leverage the strength, creativity, intellectual prowess of our faculty and students, but our partners in industry to get immediately at the first kind of gateway problem of the pandemic, which was the availability of ventilators and mm -hmm. get FDA approval. We were the first so that not only could this be made available to hospitals if they needed it or other care providers, but it was at the point where it could have been available to you and me. And that was just amazing. And fortunately, we were able to move along through the pandemic so that the urgency for ventilators has now gone down significantly mm -hmm. because we've also been a part of the pharmaceutical trials that have uh, help develop some of the mitigating treatments that bring the symptoms down from that critical level. We've been frontline in developing care. So we stood up um, in partnership with Fairview Bethesda Hospital as a COVID hospital. Mm -hmm. And our uh, mortality rate from that hospital is, as I understand it, the lowest in the country. So wow. ideally, it would be zero, right? And that's mm -hmm. what we're all marching towards. But in the meantime, as we cope with this very serious disease, your treatment that is available to you by virtue of the innovations that the university is making in partnership with, in, in many of our partners, in this case, primarily Fairview, your treatment chances and the, the quality of your treatment is at the absolute highest level. Same with testing. We are the state's testing partner with Mayo. Um, the availability of tests and what that's done for us to be able to manage transmission and the information related to contact tracing is done by the U in partnership with Mayo and the state and others. And we're also in the front lines in the development of the vaccine. So we are one of the vaccine trial sites. And so when the vaccine becomes available and we have the same optimism that everyone has and we are in process on that, process is going quickly and well, that we will be right there serving the state of Minnesota with those outcomes too. What, what, we're, what we really think we have uniquely here, and not by ourselves, but in partnership with the state and with the fact that we sit in this very sophisticated metropolitan area, is this really nice balance between this kind of sleeves rolled up, you know, running to the Home Depot with the greatest minds <laughs> in the world. You know, that intersection <laughs> is great a snapshot of the culture here. And that the outcome of that is world class, but in this very anchored homespun way. Joan, hold on. I have to make a follow-up. You mentioned the vaccine. You got any scoop for us uh, as to when it's coming? I wish I did, except to oh. say it's going well. Okay, good. Good. Thank you. Say, so, Joan, I heard some news or some collaboration with the uh, Minnesota Orchestra. I'm on their board, so would you have a minute just up, update us on that project? Yes. So, you know, the, the idea of um, the well, I'll start with the fact that I think many of us are missing the arts in different ways. The orchestra, movies, plays, um, those of us with children this age being able to do their performances. It's just, it's the kind of thing that you appreciate all the time, but you really remember and appreciate when you can't have it the way you want it. And for musicians and other gig performers, this has been a terribly devastating time. Oh, I agree. And so it's just really brutal. So we wanted to be a part of the solution. So in partnership with the orchestra and the same thing, by the way, for our marching band, for example. Oh, that's great. Um, yep. Is to think about 
uh, the risk that we learned about early on around singing or playing um, wind instruments and the fact that that is a respiratory effort and that that's a very high risk for transmission. So there's really two sides to that conversation. One is the ventilation aerosols conversation that we've heard described mm -hmm. um, actively. And the other is how you can mask an instrument literally by draping the same kind of material over the parts of the instrument where the air, where the breath of the musician escapes the instrument. And so we have been working with the orchestra on um, aerosol related research, that, what that means for ventilation, and then also how we can create masks for our instruments that our marching band is using and others so that you can play the instrument in the same way that you and I can just breathe while mitigating the risk for transmission. That is so, so cool. cool. <laughs> yes. I love it. I second that, Kate. That is so cool. Wow. Oh. Well, you know, we, we just heard a lot about the pandemic, but there's another global challenge we're facing, and that is climate change. And here again, um, President Gable, can you tell us about Embold? So much going on in that area. Embold is some of the best of Minnesota in a way. So, um, and there are many things, but this is sort of a nice snapshot of what's great about this state. So, um, Embold is actually an agri-food collaborative that is focused on how we can take our really robust, faceted spectrum of players in the agri-food space. So obviously we have a huge agricultural enterprise and, and a lot of farmers and farming cooperatives, some of the biggest. We have um, consumer packaged good com goods companies like General Mills. We have the end supplier like our really strong grocery store chains and Target. And then we have a major research university um, and everything in between. So Land Lakes and Cargill and CHS and um, Schwann's and all of our partners. And, and I'm afraid when you start listing by name of anyone I know. with apologies. <laughs> right. But the idea is that this state has unique depth and also this same collaborative culture that we were talking about with regard to the pandemic. And are we harnessing and channeling that collaboration, that know-how, that energy into solutions. And because of Embold, I can say absolutely the answer is yes. So Embold has um, a grouping of uh, focused topical collaborations on how we can be the absolute best at agri-food and in a way that serves not only our state, but the world at world-class levels. It's the same mission that the university has for where it has areas of strength. And so for us to be really excellent at agri-food, we also have to be conscious of environmental impacts and think about ways that we can engage in agricultural efforts that incentivize um, green practices, so to speak, and make those practices meaningful, sustainable, and um, where appropriate, um, profitable in a manner of speaking. Uh, because if it doesn't make sense um, in terms of the business enterprise, it will be very difficult for us to expect someone bears a burden then. And so we want to make sure that we do it in a way that people can do it, can commit to it where it makes sense for them. And the university along with all of these corporate partners that I described are working together. It's a greater MSP effort. The university specifically, I specifically am the, the um, I think they call me the captain or the champion. I don't know. It's some cool title around yeah. soil health and um, water stewardship. So what does it mean for us to till the soil in a way that keeps it healthy, 
allows it to continue to produce the food that we need and that allows us to do that in a way where we share the burden of being innovative and also share the expense, incentivize farmers so that they can do this in a way where they can continue to do their work. And what does it mean for us to be able to sustain our water supply? So um, front and center on this, it's an incredibly exciting thing because we all can feel how critically important these issues are. And when this group is around the table, you really do feel how what we do here in Minnesota is special. It really is. Wow. It is. It is. And I love that you mentioned, you know, that you are part of this soil healthy and water stewardship group because it's not just uh, end user that we're talking about. There was um, being a news person I was following just a few days ago, your announcement of Biomade, which again is also talking about things on a micro level like bacteria, yeast, algae, and how that can be made into new technologies. So can you talk to us a little bit about Biomade? Yes. So sometimes everything just times beautifully, like you yeah. have some control over it. Or like yeah. it's part of a I love that when it happens. Yeah, yeah, I love it when that happens. And sometimes good things do cluster together because doing good work brings more uh, good work in. So Biomade is an investment by the federal government in biomanufacturing, and they have chosen us to make this significant, nearly um, $90 million federal investment, but that is matched by $180 million of cost sharing from non-federal sources, us, corporate partners, the community, I'll just call it that broadly, so that we can become a center of bioindustrial manufacturing. So in all the ways that you describe, Jordana, and, and other types of research and development, how we um, avoid biocorrosion for ships and other entities that go into the water, it is a structured collaboration. There are more than 30 companies involved. There are 33 research universities, 24 community colleges, nonprofits. It exceeds into and out of the borders of Minnesota, but it is anchored here. And we mm. expect it to not only result in research solutions, the kind of practical research solutions we were talking about earlier, but we expect it to feed startup companies that would start here and then wow. expand our sector here in ways that we are uniquely positioned to be able to do. It's transformational. There are only a few of these in the whole country, and one of them is now here. Wow. You know, I'm a bit of an mm -hmm. economic nerd, so I think about how this will affect us locally and the enormous um, boost to the economy that it will have. So it's so exciting. Sure. It really is. And it's also... Uh, there's this other side of it that we, we think about a lot at the university. It will help us attract top scholars. It will help us attract students. Those students will graduate and will work for the companies here. And so it has a, a direct economic impact from the funds that come in and then, and then get invested. But it has a long tail of how it can really affect us as a, as a, a, a really three-dimensional community around these issues that we're very excited about. My mind is kind of blown. There's so much to grasp in all of this. I'm still trying to figure out how to get a mask on a tuba, but I, I have plenty <laughs> of time to think about that one, Joan. Hey, Joan, before we let you go, is there anything we didn't ask you that you want to throw in? Uh, that's oh, oh, that's always the the the. Um, <laughs> The, the scary part at the end. <laughs> just one more question. Um, <laughs> and, and nothing scary at all. We just want to hear from you. I mean, your energy has been so great around the community. I think you've really infused uh, the you with that positive energy. And look, this is a friendly interview. So just anything yeah. you want to say to the people of Minnesota. 
So I, and, and, and I'm just teasing, of course, but the, the, there, it, what I will say is, you know, there are, this is a time of real uncertainty. And, you know, in a former life, I was a dean of business at another university and in, in mm-hmm. the um, corporate world, we would say, and Kate will appreciate this, markets can handle good news and they can handle bad news, but what they can't handle is uncertainty. Absolutely. And we have all been scrambling for solid ground for the better part of a year now. Um, and it will be some time before things are solid again and that we um, feel anchored, tethered. But, and that's bad news. And, and we don't pretend otherwise. And, and it creates a lot of challenges for us as an institution and all of us as individuals, our families, et cetera. But there is also good news. And I do think that seeing how this community pulls together as a recent arrival in this community to see how the partnerships emerge and that when you get a group of CEOs around a table with heads of uh, universities, and not just me, Julie Sullivan is there from St. Thomas, Devinder Maholtra is there from uh, Minnesota State, around a table saying, all right, how do we need to work together to get better? All of the, what one would presume about how personalities like that would come into a room together goes away, and all we're about is how this community can improve. And so you see these examples of good news aren't intended to be offered to be tone deaf to the challenges and the suffering that people are truly experiencing, but to say that we will come out of this. And in some ways we will be stronger as a result because under this pressure, we have been very clever and innovative and collaborative. And so I'm very optimistic. I really am. You know, Joan, I was thinking of the same two words. I'm just positively and basically overwhelmed at the innovation and the collaboration. It's just phenomenal. So there's the little silver lining, I guess. Yes, I agree. I think so, too. And I think the lining is getting thicker and hopefully the clouds get smaller. Right. Joan, those were beautiful closing sentiments. And I am glad I asked you. So thank you very much. Um, Kate and I want to thank Joan Gable, University of Minnesota president. And Kate, thanks for doing this again with me. How fabulous is she? Oh, just terrific, Jordana. Thank you, Joan. We just so appreciate it. And I think our listeners will, too. So thank you so much. Thank you, Kate Jordana. It was a pleasure. Glad to be here. And thank you for listening to See Speak Minnesota, the language of executives brought to you by PNC Bank. Kate Kelly, my co-host, I'm Jordana Green from WCCO Radio, and we'll chat next month.